And while we have a through line that states authorial intent means dick. Right. I don't want to have to have the same haircut you have, Dad. Sorry, forgive me. Harriet motherfucking tub. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be crawling to something else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know. JK. Crawling. Uh, uh, so was was this before or after the poster and you vomiting all over the couch? <laughs> For those of you that can't see, Ed's eyes just crossed. That is fucked up. (laughs) But it's not wrong. Connect nerdery to the real world. My name is Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history and English teacher here in Northern California. And uh, <clears throat> notably, actually, just earlier today, uh, my wife uh, set about um, completing my education um, because <laughs> uh, she found out yesterday that um, I, I had not. Uh, as of yesterday afternoon, uh, actually ever seen singing in the rain all the way through. Like I had seen, I had seen bits, but there were huge portions of the film I had, I had never seen. And and she, she looked at me as though I had sprouted an ear in the middle of my forehead and said, you, you need to be, you need to be taught. And so, and so today, this afternoon, uh, <clears throat> we sat down and, and I, for the first time, watched Singing in the Rain all the way through. And what struck me, there were several things that struck me. The two biggest things that struck me mm-hmm. uh, are there are a couple of places in that movie where you can tell that they had just figured out green screen technology. Because <laughs> there, are, there are a couple of sequences where two audiences in 1953 it must have been absolutely mind-blowing um to to see the 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 specific way that they used it um and uh then then additionally um it struck me that that we have we have in a couple of ways (laughs) gone notably backward i have a cat trapped in the room with me here as i'm recording so that you might be hearing that right now um and i will deal with that momentarily but um gene kelly is one of the most remarkable performers mm-hmm. in in certainly American history, if not history. Period. Uh, the man is an incredible dancer, um, and and the role he plays is one of somebody who came up th- through showbiz as a dancer. Mm-hmm. And there is no point in that script where he is anything other than a red blooded masculine guy mm-hmm. who also happens to be a dancer mm-hmm. like first and foremost he's an actor 
yeah, but but it's you know he's he's a hoofer, and like you could not do that movie, you could not do that kind of role that way today because our our weird gender expectations have changed, specifically around dancing, like that, you know. So I I think yeah it's 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 it is it is it deserves its place as a classic in mm-hmm. in the canon of american film um and there are there are a couple of points at it where it's actually almost it struck it struck me as being almost surrealist hmm. and and yeah so anyway that was that was my epiphany today was i i finally saw that all the way through how about you well i'm damien harmony i am a latin and us history teacher here in northern california and uh, let's see, I my daughter has started a Theros campaign for us, and I decided to roll randomly. Oh, kitty. I decided to roll randomly for uh, all the stats in terms of height and weight and stuff like that. And I rolled the lowest that I could roll. So I'm playing a champion fighter. So increased ability to uh, hit crits and uh, in the Theros campaign there's some cool stuff surrounding fighters and stuff like that you know Aristea and all that um, but I also uh, have he is a fighter who is four foot ten as a human uh, which is still a little taller than most elves but uh, he is a human who is four foot ten and he is a celebrated fighter and what I love about that is that uh, my daughter was like, oh, my God, this is this is really weird. And I said, no, 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 it's cool. Let's I'm, I'm going to roll with this. And so I gave her a list of 10 different things because I have the ability to be famous, you know, because I'm a pentathlete or what have you in this uh, setting. And so okay. I gave her a list of 10 different. Uh, uh, what's it called? Um, where the same letters start both words alliterative. alliterative okay. uh, the same I gave her 10 alliterative nicknames for my character you know like the the mini marvel the uh you know the the pint size phenomenon the and on and on and on so like basically she gets to roll a d10 wherever i go and that's what i'm known as Um, and so it's 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 been a lot of fun now i gotta i gotta talk to you a bit about the singing in the rain uh one thing that you didn't point out was um and and perhaps it was implicit or you may not have been comfortable with it but uh i am um, Gene Kelly's dancing is sexy as fuck. Um, it is <laughs> sexy. Like he moves those hips like he wants to grind them into her. Uh, oh, yeah. and and she reacts like she would like to be ground. Um well, ground and pound, I mean, if you will. You know, yeah. Yeah. But um he and he specifically put like because Fred Astaire is an incredibly elegant dancer. Yes. Gene Kelly was a masculinely sexy dancer. Yeah. You know, Fred Astaire was very much on point technical Marvel, all this kind of stuff. And and Gene Kelly brought sex into the dancing. And I would also point out that he actually the the uh, it would have been a blue screen back then, by the way. They screens up until the 80s um, and 90s. Uh, But also uh, Donald O'Connor had the best dance routine in the whole goddamn thing with Make Him Laugh. Oh yeah, it no, was the, the most the, athletic, the, timing. the best story. It was amazing, yeah. Donald. And you know, um, <clears throat> I actually because I'm that kind of nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had seen Donald O'Connor's face before. Oh, you like, found him I in Bojess, didn't you? Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, uh, I know I've seen this guy before. Where, mm-hmm. where the hell? 
So, you know, with, with, you know, one eye on the screen and, and, you know, my phone in my hand, I, I looked, it's at, called looked the him two up. screen experience. There we go. Yeah. Um, I looked him up and what's fascinating uh, watching Donald O'Connor on the screen, holding his own with Gene Kelly. Yes. Right. Yes. Is uh, Donald O'Connor actually never had any formal schooling. Right. And did not have any formal dance training until right. he started in movies at 15. Yes. And he was interviewed later in his life saying, no, my family traveled the vaudeville circuit. Mm-hmm. So that, that whole, you know, history clip of the two of them, you know, getting, right. getting to Hollywood was like his life. Yeah. I mean, and... the story in many ways was his life. Yeah. It was his life story. Yeah. On some levels. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, but he said, uh, I learned two dance routines. Mm-hmm. And I could do both of those dance routines in my sleep. And I looked really, really good doing those dance routines. So but I never got, but I never got, yeah, basically, <laughs> but I never got any formal dance training. Okay. And so he showed up and he said, learning new dance routines was really hard. Yeah. Cause he didn't have any of the terms or yeah. the practice or the, no, yeah. you know, your hips should always be able to open out like this. He's like, no, I just do it for this one part of this one dance. You know? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Anyway, it was, it was, it, yeah. yeah, no, it's an amazing I, film. So also in that movie, um, the, the surreality that you're talking about is probably the scene with Sid Charisse where it just looks like it's plucked in with the really long flowy thing. And there's just a dance routine of a woman for yeah. no goddamn reason. That yeah. was because they needed to keep her under contract. That was entirely what it was. They discovered her. They were like, Oh, we are going to make a mint with her. And so let's make sure it's kind of like how Marvel continually like tries to do Captain Marvel. Um, yeah. And a lot of people would say, and rightly so, they keep screwing it up in most of the comics because they just run out of steam. Yeah. And it's mostly just so they can keep their uh, their copyright live on mm-hmm. that character because it'd be really embarrassing if DC ended up getting Captain mm-hmm. Marvel, you know? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, which is why Shazam you know, and Billy Batson started being Shazam instead of Captain Marvel. Indeed. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I love that movie. It's a wonderful, um, it's a wonderful, the entertaining explanation of the switchover from, uh, you know, flickers to talkies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I can't stand, I can't stand him. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a great movie. It's a great yeah. movie. It, it is about 30 minutes too long. Uh, as most yeah, musicals, I'd say, are. I'd say, yeah, you can, yeah. you could, you could trim some fat off of it. Yeah. But like the whole Sid Charisse thing, you genuinely yeah. didn't need it. Like it was plugged yeah. in there again, just yeah. for that purpose. So, but, uh, Hey, speaking of, uh, sexy superheroes. Um, okay. It's been a while. America's ass. Uh, Oh, among others. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but it has been a while since we have done a villains who aren't and a heroes who aren't. Okay. Yeah, it and, has been. Yeah, I think the and last after was... and after the uh, psychic trauma of uh, the last couple of episodes about V, I think we could <laughs> we could use a uh, a palate cleanser. True, true. So, all right, I'm down. Okay, cool. Well, it, for those of you <clears throat> who uh, have never heard the previous ones, episodes 134 and 162 uh, also are heroes who aren't and villains who aren't, parts one and two. So uh let's see um do you have any that you would like to start with that aren't warhammer 40k <laughs> that aren't yes uh yes i do as a oh, matter yeah. of fact 
So uh, my question is, do you want to do you want me to start with a uh, hero who isn't or a villain who might not be a villain who might not be? Okay, then um, I'm going to have to uh, go with Raceland Majir. Now, you may or may not be at all familiar with the name, but I'm sure there are plenty of our uh, D&D first edition AD&D player uh, listeners who, who know who I'm talking about. I know the name Raceland. Was that in a Dragonlance? Yes, he's one ah. of the protagonists, one of one of the party of adventurers mm. uh, in uh, the. Uh, he was one of the pre-generated characters you could play ah. in the in the first series of Dragonlance modules. Okay, and he is one of the heroes of the lance from mm-hmm. the first Dragonlance trilogy. Okay, he is the twin brother of fighter Karaman Majer. Oh, that's right. He's the sickly wizard. Yes. Guy. Yes. Yeah. And so. And he's an asshole. He, he is. He <laughs> is. He is. Uh, he always has a very dry cutting wit. Mm-hmm. Um, and people find him unsettling for reasons that I'll get into here momentarily. Um, and in the end, uh, for most of the novel series, he is a red robe wizard, um, which means neutrally aligned uh, for those not familiar with the Dragonlance setting wizards in Dragonlance uh, after you can be, you, you don't have to join any order or be part of any organization up until you get to fifth level. Mm-hmm. This is, this is the game rules. Mm-hmm. When you get to fifth level and learn the ability to cast third level spells, you have to go through the test and your behavior in the test of high sorcery, because this is back when sorcery and wizardry were synonyms rather than mm-hmm. descriptions of different character classes, uh, your behavior and the way you face your test determines whether you wind up being a white robe, red robe, or black robe okay. wizard. And, okay. and all three are part of, are part of the same organization, even though they, they work in different, to work toward different goals and have obviously different moral outlooks. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, come out of the test showing compassion and, you know, uh, good aligned traits, you are a white robe. If you come out of the test with, you know, some other kind of motivation, but not a selfish or grasping or destructive one, then you are a red robe. Okay. And if you show a tendency to toward like, no, no, I'm going to get through this. Even if I have to choke every last motherfucker in this place, <laughs> then, you, you know, ruthlessness, cruelty, whatever that you, you wind up being a black rope. And that's the order that you wind up serving. Okay. And then there's mystical stuff. You're tied to a particular moon. There are three moons are white, red, and black moon and all of that. And it, anyway, there's a lot going on there, but uh, Raceland starts the novel series as a red robe wizard. So he's okay. want to say want to say his alignment was either lawful neutral or true neutral in the in the adventure modules. Well, he in the book he seemed more true neutral than lawful neutral. Like yeah, it okay, wasn't the sense. rules yeah. that were holding him back. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, but by the end of the or basically at the end of the third novel mm-hmm. um the heroes defeat the threat to the world they drive tachysis also known as tiamat in other settings you know back away from coming physically into the world they managed to stop her from doing that they stopped the dragon armies from conquering the world okay and 
in the process of doing that very basically as that all happens uh raceland winds up making the transition from the red robes to the black robes he makes the decision that no no my goal now is power right now that now that okay we've driven we've driven techis is away we don't need to worry about her anymore now (laughs) i'm 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 in it for me now that the board is clear yeah i'd like to have some Yeah. yeah Yeah, I want I want to cut. Only he doesn't just want to cut. He turns into the antagonist of the next novel series. Oh, how's that Time play for his twins. brother? Uh, hmm? How does that play for his brother? Um, his brother spends the next novel trilogy trying to somewhere between stop Raceland and save Raceland from himself. Okay, okay. So Luke to Vader kind of thing. Kind of, kind of, sort yeah. of. Okay. So um, by the end of the third novel of the second trilogy, uh, Raistlin has basically figured out how to become a god. Mm-hmm. And the problem is him becoming a god is going to unbalance the universe and lead to the end of the world. And Raistlin doesn't care. So as long as he wins the game. as lo- Basically, yeah. yeah. His, his, okay. his, his goal, he has his goal. He's going to achieve his goal. Like like Salazar Slytherin looks at him and goes, "Dude, chill the fuck out, bro." This sounds like to me... there have to be limits somewhere, dude. Like, I mean, I appreciate ruthlessness, but fuck, right? This sounds to me like um, the writers of Dragonlance were like holding up the mirror to D and D Munchkin players. A little bit. This is you. Might have been. This is what you're this trying you. to do. This is you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So now here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to argue he's 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 not he's not the villain that the writers would want us to to believe he is. Okay. And and here's my argument: um, he's a victim of lifelong gaslighting and abuse. Oh. So, so he. So this is not because he loved Lily Potter, and that was enough. No, no, no. Okay. No, no, it's nothing that weevil. No. <laughs> um, and Snape Snape is a jackass asshole. Yeah. No matter yeah. how you cut it. Anyway. Uh, no, no. Snape is a villain who was a villain, no matter how hard uh, J.K. Rowling tried to rehabilitate him and make him a tragic yeah. by And he was a figure. villain absent no, the magic he, and absent yeah. the alliance. He was yeah. still a villain. Like, yeah. it's like, kind of like how Snoke uh, or how uh, Kylo Ren um, got inside Ray's head, didn't use the force at all mm-hmm. and damn near broke her. Yeah. And I love that, but that's some villain level shit. Like, yeah, and oh, then yeah. you add the magic Hardcore. power. Oh know? yeah, yeah. So okay, so Raceland on the other hand uses <clears throat> so so perpetual gaslighting and abuse. Yeah, so he he was born the weaker, smaller, sicklier of a pair of twins, mm-hmm. and his brother and he, but his brother is like desperately codependent on him. Yeah, like. He is. Like I have holy to take care of him, shit, bro. I gotta, role. I gotta take yeah. care of him. I gotta protect him. I gotta look out for him. Right. And when his brother's back was turned, Raceland was bullied by other kids. Um, and Caraman treated him like a cripple when he mm-hmm. was sickly and he was unhealthy, but he was not. He did not. He did not need to be coddled and smothered in the so way that in the way that Caraman. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, Caraman, from Caraman's point of view, it was all well-meaning, but like, if you're toxic as fuck, it doesn't matter whether you're well-meaning, you're still toxic as fuck. 
Well, and you know, there's that phrase, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes. And it's, it's, that's so many people misinterpret that as, as they yeah. do. We should do an episode of just common sayings. Um, that could be fun. Yeah. Would be fun. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like so many people misinterpret that because um, it's not the accidental aspect of it. Like, Oh, I meant well, and damn it. I spilled the, the casserole all over the dog. And now the dog needs to be put down. It's not There's, that. No, no, um, no. It's much more about zealotry that I yeah. mean, well, therefore the ends justify the means for what I am doing. And yes. I will never. And if you're a zealot, you don't back down. Yeah. And people can be zealots in a lot of really fucked up ways, including codependency. Like mm-hmm. I, I am here to protect my brother yeah. uh, and I need to keep him safe from self-actualization. And uh-huh. therefore, I need to keep him yeah. protected from himself. And, yeah. you know, yeah. And, and pretty soon and you create the monster that you're trying to prevent. Which, which arguably is what Karaman wound up doing. Yeah. So, so Raceland uh, discovered that he had an aptitude for magic as a youngster. Uh, the backstory is there was a hedge magician, a, a wizard who never got to fifth level. Who, okay. who would come through and do, you know, illusionist tricks and do magic. And so he was kind of Raceland saw that. Yeah. And, and Raceland saw that and went, Oh, wow. Wait. And learned that he had the brains of mm-hmm. the pair. He's the smart one of the, of the twins. Right. And he applied that and he worked and he studied and he learned how to do magic. And his brother was always afraid of that. Oh, okay. Because it so, was something that his brother could not fully understand. Now his brother never told him, "No, no, don't do that, don't do that." But there was always this kind of like, right? I don't you know, get it. I don't. So get it. I don't was his brother it. afraid of the hedge magi- magician? Not, not that I. There's, there's no, there's no. Okay. There was it's no never explicitly stated. There's okay. no. Yeah, we, but we just know that that's was how. Not Raceland, totally that. not. Not so he saw a busted hedge magician in the row there. And he, yeah. he wasn't nice. alarmed. Nice head position in the row. Yeah. yeah, nice. Well done. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> decided that, you know what? I can I can make that shrubbery work. Um, and so eventually. May Queen. Yeah. Right? Just nice. An nice. Nice. So he. Uh, or at least clean it by May. It could be a spring clean by the May Queen. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, and so there's a there's an expansion short story mm-hmm. um that that takes place that is about uh Raceland going on his test of high sorcery he makes it to the point where okay one of two things is going to happen uh, or actually one of three things is going to happen either you're going to pass the test you're going to get your whatever color robe Sure. And you're gonna you're gonna be able to can we we as an organization are going to continue to let you to study, and you can gain more power and, and et cetera. Or um, you're gonna fail the test mm-hmm. for one reason or another. Sure. And um, if you try to continue studying beyond that, we will hunt you down and destroy you as a renegade. Or you're 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 gonna you're gonna you're going to die. Like those, like those are the three options. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, and your head will be swimming and it won't go because you don't know. Nice. Right. Yeah. But yeah. he still has these three paths. So there's time to change the road he's on. Yeah. Jesus. So, uh, so went over like a lead balloon. I agree. 
I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to find something with Zeppelin and I can't. So, <laughs> oh, the humanity. So we go. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. That's that's good. Uh, so he, so he heads off uh, to to take his test. His brother goes with him, mm-hmm. and the head of the conclave, the the basically highest ranking wizard in the world, mm-hmm. has been you know keeping tabs on Raistlin, and he knows that Raistlin is intensely driven. He knows that Raistlin has an incredible aptitude and an incredible amount of power. And he also knows uh, that Raistlin knows just exactly how smart and how potentially powerful he is. Okay. And so during his test of high sorcery, uh, Raistlin passes um, as his, you know, graduate as, as part of his badge of graduation, he gets given a magical staff that later on actually turns out to be an artifact level magic item. Oh, cool. Um, and he also winds up getting cursed because very because often when you pass a test, like sometimes well, there's there's a sacrifice. There's there's a sacrifice to be made, but there's also the fact that the head of the conclave sees his ambition and sees his pride, uh, and sees that as a threat and wants to try to humble him. Okay. And so in the process, he is left permanently physically weakened to the point where he, he sounds like his, his symptoms as they, as they show up in the novel. He often has these terrible racking coughing fits yes. where he winds up coughing right. up blood. I mean, he sounds like he's got tuberculosis. It's, it's, it's you know, so he so he's permanently loses X number of points of con mm-hmm. as a result of this. But also as a result of it, he his his appearance is permanently changed. He has golden skin and and silvery white hair, and the pupils of his the the shape of the pupils of his eyes are permanently changed into hourglasses. Now is and that part of the curse? That's part of the curse. So the and wizard every, cursed him with that. Yes. And okay. everyone he and everyone he looks at. Um, he does not see them as they are. He sees them as they will be when they are old and withered and decrepit. Because he's seeing through the okay. yeah. Gotcha. As he's so, and it was and it was intended to be a reminder to Raislin of his own mortality. Instead of like, hey, you you're seeing everybody in their hourglass figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would be a lot more fun. So, like from his eye, his eyes, like he's basically seeing them older. Yeah. Then and and like broken down older yeah. or just just older like like, like liver spotted. Okay, so not punched, like the worst that could be, down. but like what it really will be. What it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. But but I mean, talk about how that would warp your perception of literally the world. Well, yeah. Right? I mean, and you said okay, so his skin is gold. His eyes are his eyes. His, the the irises of his eyes are gold. Is, okay. And, then... and his hair is silver, silver. That's white. what. It was. Okay. And so this this is an attempt to try to humble him, and you know, uh, you know, Tempest Fugit, um, and and I don't remember what the what the Latin phrase is about. You know, remember remember too that you're uh, memento mori. Yeah. You know, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. <laughs> memento mori. Right. Like you know. Yeah. That that was what it was meant to do. What it what it winds up doing is it just reinforces Raceland's sense of persecution. And his mm-hmm. desire to get enough power to never be controlled or smothered or bullied again. 
he sounds honestly like a magic sickly version of Lyndon Johnson. Like yes, Johnson also knew that like congenital heart failure ran in his family, and so yeah. his ambition drove him. Yeah, to get Does shit he... done before he yeah. died, which is again yeah. also Caesar. Yeah, um, but okay, yeah. wow. Yeah, um, and so his 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 lust for power mm-hmm. was, you know, I mean, it made him a ruthless extremist in the end. Like he was willing to sacrifice literally everybody in the world Mm -hmm. uh his his old friends um his his traveling companions his his apprentice (laughs) at one point he he has a he has an elvish apprentice named dalimar who he basically stabs in the back okay um and like he winds up essentially kind of becoming kind of becoming a living lich it's a weird anyway there's all kinds of long it's dragon lance not not codified dnd yeah. So, yeah. so, so, but he, he winds up, he winds up doing a lot of ruthless shit. Um, and winds up being defeated in the end. And the question that we're left with is at the very moment of his triumph, whether it's entirely that he was defeated or if he had a moment of realization and a moment of remembrance of his brother and if he relented and let himself they do this be defeated they do this in the star wars books too which are now canonized as legend but uh when when jason is at the height of his power becoming worse than vader and worse than palpatine um he, he he realizes that if he doesn't relent uh, his daughter will die. And the whole point was that he was making the galaxy safer for his daughter mm, mm-hmm. and his sister's fighting him. And he relents to send a message to his daughter and his, uh, his, his daughter's mom. Um, and, you know, to say, get out uh, so strong that they would actually leave uh, from whatever the danger was. And Jaina has a moment of, I, that's Jason. That's Jason. It's no longer Darth Kytus. It's Jason. Mm-hmm. And I have to kill him because this could be a feint. And mm-hmm. so she kills Jason, which is even more traumatic for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she kills Jason and and she's able. So in, in the Star Wars, uh, it is known that he relented and mm-hmm. it is known that he died as Jason and not as Kytus, which is well, very important that's, in Star Wars. Yeah. And that's the yeah. recurring theme. Right. Is is the the redemption at the end. Yeah. Which actually ties in. Uh, interestingly, with um, there are the gods of the gods of Kryn, the world of Dragonlance, have have three maxims that essentially define how good works, how evil works, and how neutrality works. Good redeems its own. Okay, is the phrase for good. Evil devours its own. Ooh. Okay. And neutrality preserves the balance. And those are the oh, three. I don't like these people already. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just like, mm, that's a temperament. Yeah. Oh, that's not hey, a stance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but <laughs> but okay, cool. But yeah, yeah. back then there, yeah, okay, <clears throat> yeah. So okay, so so, he, so there's some question as to whether or not. So there's there's some question about that. And the other clean. thing is, um, his his goal was to attain godhood essentially by defeating Tachysis, not one of the gods of good, not one of the gods of neutrality. But the dragon queen herself is his goal. Like 
because there's a fixed number of gods. There's the gods of evil, gods of neutrality, gods of good. Sure. So I've got to replace one of them. The name, though, that has to do with speed. It's a Greek, Greek sounding origin. At mm. least, and I don't know how yeah. it's spelled, but uh, very often you can bastardize. T a k h i s i s. All right, close enough. But yeah, um, but uh, the the sound of it is uh similar to tachios, uh, which mm. is speed, alacrity, mm. um, and interesting. Death comes quickly, you know, and, okay, and so yeah. like you're speeding your life along. Yeah. So just kind of interesting that he defeats the the speed dragon. Okay. Well, almost. or tries to tries to yeah yeah, yeah. and then yeah he and he that winds would purchase up... his spot. Amongst yeah. the gods. Yeah. So, so it's not like so it's not like he's trying to destroy one of the gods of good. Right. Even like, no, because evil devours itself. Oh, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, and so even even his attempted at deicide isn't necessarily villainous. Like because any you know, good person would also want to kill a evil would, god. Would, like, yeah. Like, right. you know, she's she's literally the reason that tens of thousands of people died during the war of the lance. Sure. Like so, is it really that? No, is it really right. that bad? Um, and then in later stories, um, he actually winds up uh, saving his nephew, who who is going through his test of high sorcery, and okay. part of that test, part of that test is, um, because one of the things that his nephew, uh, mm-hmm. so Caraman's youngest son who shows an aptitude for magic, which scares his father absolutely Mm -hmm. to death. Oh, sure. Uh, And one of the things that Raceland's nephew is afraid of is the chances of him going down the dark path his uncle went down and, and succumbing to that, to that desire for power and that, you know, and it turns out, of course, you know, Palin has a very, very different temperament and a very different personality. And he's not going to be that guy. But he winds up actually having an encounter with Raceland in the Tower of High Sorcery as he's going through his test. Mm-hmm. And through nearly the entire story, up right up to the very end, the reader is led to believe that this is an illusion or some kind of specter that's being mm-hmm. created to create the test for Palin. Well, Palin passes his test and leaves. And then Raceland hangs out for a minute in the tower and there's there's you're left as the reader with some uncertainty about like okay was this a simulacrum or, or did Braceland actually somehow get out of the abyss mm. to help his nephew wow that actually also cons with uh, star wars books so after jason dies uh that's the end of that eight part series and then there's let me look um <laughs> yeah since oh, you have them all on the shelf behind yeah. you yeah too much. Uh, then there's a couple books just for funsies, and then you get into the next. Uh, let's see, that's four nine part series, um, where Luke basically is called to the carpet about like, yo, the Jedi are bad for this galaxy, and uh, you need to like figure shit out, and we're banishing you for ten years, um, because 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 because. But essentially, the argument is made by uh, Admiral Dalla, who has come back, and now she's in charge of the government. Um, but she's reformed and she's actually brings up a really good argument. She's like, okay, okay. Let's, let's talk about your meeting out justice. You cut off a man's hand and you've decided that that was necessary because the force told you, et cetera, et cetera. And Luke's like, yeah, okay. And she's like, and then you just go off because there's some more important stuff to do, right? Yes. Okay. Well, so when a police officer does that, see, this is a 
a long time ago mm -hmm. in a galaxy far, far away, so it can be idealized. Uh, mm -hmm. But when a police officer does that, there's reports, there's, you know, and if a, a private citizen did that, then there's lawsuits. Uh, and Accountability. Yeah, there's there's a ton of accountability. And she's like, and you guys just gallivant around and we're, we're just supposed to trust you as we pick up the pieces. And she says, and now explode this out a little bit. Your nephew caused a civil war. And we're just be, supposed to be like, well, you know, shit happens, but the Jedi know what they're doing. Like, at one point, he was the legal head of the government, and you had him killed by your niece. Like, there's no way that you can read this and be like, oh, the Jedi are fine. And he's like, I have no answer to that. You're absolutely right. Um, I need to go figure out why Jason w went evil. And she's like, okay, yeah, so that can be your 10-year uh, exile, but you're exiled for 10 years. Fuck off. And so his son comes with him because at this point, uh, the, the name Ben comes from Luke's kid from the books. That's what mm -hmm. I loved about the 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 new trilogy is that they took the best parts of the books. Mm. Uh, you know, the Ray and, and Kylo thing is just Jason and Jaina. Yeah. So uh, he goes and they end up in the 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 pools of destiny or something like that. I forget the exact uh, thing, but they run into a spirit of Jason. And uh, so he is neither disappeared in the force nor fully dead like he's and uh, he and Ben, whom he had manipulated. So it's technically his cousin, but he's old enough to be it would be his nephew, you know, and he and Ben have a little tete a tete and they talk about it. And Jason's like, no, this is my damnation. I'm not particularly sorry for what I did. Uh, I'm sorry that I hurt you, um, but I'm not sorry for my reasons. And you know, so be it. Uh, you need to, and Buddy was very like realistic about it. He's like, you need to pick your own path. Don't go asking me for advice. Um, and you know, there's just there's a really cool you know little thing there. He's like, I'm not trying to trick you, but I'm not about to candy coat what I did. Mm. Uh, and I still think I was right, and I will still talk to you about that. And so there's just he is a simulacrum, mm -hmm. but it is actually his spirit, and it's in the the mm -hmm. pools and the mists and stuff like that. So it's just kind of interesting. Clearly the the writers of these stories were pulling from were, the... were influenced by yeah 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 so so okay so raceland by killing the dragon queen would have yeah i'm, I'm simplifying heaven yeah. oh. good day sir well then that one that one you finally did it <laughs> <clears throat> um yeah and and in a series that that is you know, known for its convolutions and and its mm -hmm. its length, uh, which you know is appropriate for stairway. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, considered a classic, but holy shit, if you're going to listen to it, sit down for a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah, clear your clear your schedule for a couple of hours. Um, and so yeah, my you know we, he he is he is a villain, mm -hmm. but. You know, you look at you look at the trauma of his childhood. You look at the way he was consistently smothered and restrained, and everybody around him—his brother, his half sister, mm -hmm. who I'm going to talk about later, um, his his father, to the extent that the father was around. You know, all of his friends when he was younger, it was always we got to we got to look after Raceland, we got to protect Raceland, we got to you know shelter him, and they weren't always wrong, but mm -hmm. you know. It it left him with this no fuck off. I hate that I need you. Like right. 
I know that sometimes I do, but a lot of the time I don't, and you won't let me not need you. Right. Like you're my, you're my twin brother. You're literally the other half of my soul, but like, fuck off. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and so okay. of course somebody like that is, is going to wind up having, I mean, that's, that's, that's a logical outcome in a, in a universe where you don't have licensed therapists. Sure. Like, <laughs> or even a you know, healer's guild or that, even, yeah. That you interferes know. in family squabbles. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so there you I'm, go. I'm going to say that I'm unconvinced that he's not a villain, um, but I understand why he is the villain that he is. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. So you want a hero or a villain or a hero who isn't or a villain who isn't? Uh, Let's let's do a villain who isn't. I want to hear a villain who isn't. All right. Um, Let's talk about Syndrome from The Incredibles. Okay. All right. So uh, Syndrome from The Incredibles. Uh, First, I got to get this out of the way. Yes, he's an arms dealer. And that's bad. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. not as bad as what our government does before breakfast and probably not as fashy, but objectively it is bad to increase the number of weapons that are out there in the world. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to real fast, just mm-hmm. insert here that I'm not, you say not as fashy. I'm going to say that you are never going to convince me that syndrome is not an anarcho capitalist, which is, which is like a shade removed. It's not the from, people who are from... in charge. <laughs> it's yeah, the people okay. who are empowered. Okay. Yeah. Fine. I, Fine. I, I, he would fit into that structure. Yeah. Sure. Um, but still not as fashy. Um, because uh, right. but Tenfold. but Buddy Pine does have a point though, right? His plan is contrived. It's overly complicated and it's ridiculous. It, this is after yeah. all the Incredibles. Yeah. Um. Uh, his plan is to set up a battle in which he controls both sides of the battle secretly, allowing him to defeat the Omni Droid in front of an audience. Um, and yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Watchmen. Like, I'm just saying, I'm getting. I was thinking getting... Palpatine, but yeah. Oh yeah, well yeah, that too. <laughs> but it's, yeah, hey, you know, you can't beat the classics, right? You know, and. <laughs> <laughs> and and yes, he's knowingly hired former superheroes to hone this droid, leading to their deaths in the process. Yeah. Okay. All true. All true. Got it. Got to admit it. But you know how I was talking about zealotry. Yeah. And the egg on my okay. face here. Um, because yeah. his goal is ultimately to let everyone be the superhero that they want to be by means of purchasing the tech that he'll showcase in his defeat of the Omni Droid, which is a far more democratic. Uh, solution than the current system okay it's kind of like what higher education is but for superheroes okay um and and i'm not saying this is not a problematic step forward but it is a step forward from the feudal system of superheroes that's already drawn the public's ire to the point of superheroes not being well welcome in public at this point um syndrome at the end of the day wants everyone to have access to powers not just an accidental few who create tons and tons of collateral damage. Now, he fails. That is certainly destructive. But had he been given a chance to be the hero that he wanted to be in the beginning, which was gatekept by Mr. Incredible at all, um, none of this would have happened. Had they democratized the process, when they literally held all the power, Superheroes would have avoided delegitimization as well as all the destruction that came about after. 
flawed as he is, Syndrome was more right than those who sought to keep precious their special abilities. Okay. I think I think there's attribution of motive there that might be off. But... He wanted to sell his shit to people. Oh, he I'm not, not I'm say... not talking about his motive. Oh, okay. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm well, I'm I think there's shading involved in his motive because I don't think he he didn't care about empowering people. He cared about taking away the exceptionalism of others. Yeah. It's 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 a tearing down rather than a building up. Coincidentally, it I mean the the, the easiest way to achieve that is by, you know, leveling the playing field. Samuel like a Colt, rising tide. You know, God God made men, Sam mm-hmm. Colt made him equal. Right. You know, kind of kind of situation. Sure. Um and and I I definitely see the the uh ultimate democratizing effect of that mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i am a catholic and as a catholic motives matter mm-hmm. so you know there's that um and yeah so do hierarchies. I, yeah well yes and exceptional i am i am the conservative <laughs> of the two of us um well depending on depending on how how rigid a catholic you are exceptional sure is, you know um but yes that that can be one of the problems with the church. <laughs> um, is not can be. Let's, <laughs> let's be intellectually honest here. That is one of the problems with the church. But, um, and and I got sidetracked by that little quibble. Um, yeah, no, I I see what you're saying. I think, I I think without knowing how willing or eager he was mm-hmm. to cause collateral damage in order to make his point. Because mm. I definitely get the sense that like, you know, rampaging robot going through the streets, he he knew that like sure. he wasn't going to be able to take the thing out without some innocent people being injured or killed. See, to me, that puts him on par with the Incredibles. I'm okay. I can I can see that. And um, now I don't I, think I I think that him knowing and see and and intentionality matters here here. So I will give you that he knew, and they ignored. Um and and yeah. I think they okay. were there was some willful ignorance there. It's 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 not like a convoluted yeah. willful ignorance on their part. Yeah. But come the fuck on, you know. Yeah. No. No. Like, I, I I get it. I get take it. it out to the harbor. But oh, yeah. Yeah. No. I get it. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I see, I see what you're saying. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come to the same conclusion here that you came to with Raceland Niger. Mm-hmm. I think this is, this is a compelling argument for an understanding of his motives. Okay. I'm, I'm not fully convinced that he doesn't deserve the title of villain though. Okay. Uh, right. because, because well-intentioned extremism is still extremism. Very true. Very true. So, yeah. Okay. Fair. You got another one? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay. As a matter of fact. Um, Denethor. Another Warhammer 40k? No, no, no. Oh. No. no. Uh, I'm saving the Warhammer 40k one for last. Denethor uh, from Lord of the Rings. Oh. Uh, oh the yeah. two towers. Mm-hmm. So Denethor Brother is... Brother of Deniloki. Uh, nice. Yep. Nice. 
uh, is supposed to be a pretender to royalty. You know, he's the he's the steward of Gondor, but you know, the guy who carries... eats all the tomatoes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but he he carries himself as though he's the king, right? Although right. his title isn't there, he he clearly it it itches at him that he's not the king. Sure, right. Uh, so he's twisted by jealousy and insecurity. Uh, even in the books, there's actually mention made of you know because it, it doesn't it doesn't really come up in the films, but it's it's worth noting that Aragorn is actually seventy something years old at the time of the events of the War of the Ring mm-hmm. because he is one of the Dunedain and they live a lot longer than than normal mortal humans because of their very strong elvish blood in their in their background. Right. And so um Aragorn has had a lifetime of experience, you know, as a soldier, as a ranger, as a, you know, running around everywhere. And he actually spent time, we find out in a brief kind of aside in the books, that Aragorn had spent time as a soldier of Gondor under an assumed name. Okay. And he had been very well liked. He had he had risen to the rank of you know being a captain and all this stuff. And um, he actually encountered Denethor during that time when Denethor was a younger man, and Denethor resented him terribly because it's Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and he's you know right wise king of Gondor. Mm-hmm and Arnor and, you know, everything. And so right, right. because of the way Tolkien wrote the books, <laughs> hi, Catholic exceptionalism, um, you know, he is he is the one true king. So everything just comes easily to him. And so that just ate Denethor up. Sure. And there's there's this little bit that we get of that. So he's, he's twisted by jealousy and his own insecurity about, you know, he should be the king, but he's not the king. He's just the steward and all this other stuff. And then eventually... Uh, you know, and he plays favorites with his sons, you know, uh, Boromir is the, is the golden child and Faramir can't do anything right. Right. And then eventually he turns to madness and despair. And uh, this happens because he's tampering with the Palantir, you know, which is, which is how much uh, dandelion powder can be at what level. Yes. Yeah. 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 No. And he completely the... ignores their sister, uh, Sawamir. Nice. Yeah. Nice. No, it's it's the the seeing stone, uh, one of oh. which is controlled by Sauron, and so his his head gets full filled full of stuff that Sauron wants him to see. Um, and in the books, it's kind of implicitly explained that like he's he's a mortal he's an ordinary mortal man and so he just shouldn't be tampering with this with this thing Mm -hmm. this is not this is not he's he's not he's not it's it's above his birth he shouldn't be tampering with this thing and it's it's part of his pride that he is okay 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 and so that eventually drives him to despair there's no way we're going to win sauron is too powerful this is this is the twilight of our age Mm-hmm. And he winds up attempting to immolate himself and his son. Gandalf stops him from immolating Faramir, but he winds up, you know, catching fire and flinging himself off the parapets of Minas Tirith. Right. You know, and and so he is he is this this um, cautionary figure. He is this 
semi-villain kind of figure. He's an antagonist. And the thing is, um, I I think he he gets he gets even shorter shrift than Boromir does. You know, there there has been all of this talk of of kind of rehabilitating Boromir, which yes. Tolkien would have been hundred percent behind because oh, Tolkien yeah. Tolkien himself basically said that Boromir is symbolic of the power of the ring to tempt people, and Boromir's yeah. death was uh, uh, redemptive. You know, yeah, and, it was it was he, tragic, yeah. and uh, 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 you know, the best of us can still be corrupted by this. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. Denethor uh, is actually a competent, effective commander in chief of a city state locked in constant warfare for its own survival. Yep. Yep. While while Denethor has been in command, they have regained territory that had been lost to Sauron's forces in gen- in generations prior. Um, OK. Nobody yep. in Gondor complains that uh, Denethor is ineffective or tyrannical. Okay. Nobody complains that uh, the streets aren't getting swept or that uh, the streets it, are unsafe. You're, well, you're getting into some dangerous territory. Yeah, there, I, right? I know, I know. But <laughs> but you know, nobody 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 cries out that there is no justice in Gondor. You know. Okay. Um, and uh, Gondor and its territories must be relatively well administered uh, to be able to raise and equip the army that they do in the Return of the King. Now, is this them doing despite him or because of him, though? There is. Here's the deal. Tolkien would not have hesitated to drop an anvil. Okay. So the fact that they're, the dog didn't work, there okay. is there is nowhere any statement that like, well, we are grudgingly coming to Gondor's aid, though, you know, in recent years, its rulership has been distant or uncaring or whatever. There's none of that. It's like, okay. no, Gondor calls for aid. We're showing the fuck up. Okay. We're here. And all of the tributary uh, states uh, have have been, you know, well enough administered and and uh, are loyal enough that they all show up in, in the numbers that they do. And... Faramir deserved better treatment. I of course no way, no way I'm gonna argue against oh, that. He's not winning parent of the year any no, soon. No, 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 no. But um it's important to keep in mind that Denethor accomplished everything Denethor accomplished while he was, by any standard we would apply, deeply clinically depressed. Yeah. And also being fed the wrong and like yeah. Yeah, also being, being, being magically fucked with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, untreated depression can cause all kinds of family dysfunction, and Denethor's favoritism for Boromir should be viewed through that lens. Okay. His ultimate descent into suicide just reinforces the point of how much he accomplished while he was circling the drain. Right? Okay. Sure, yeah. I mean, like, we're seeing like, a man in decline. We're not necessarily seeing a man... We're seeing a man with severe mental health issues that yes. are unaddressed and yeah okay yeah, yeah. um so I'm, I'm not categorizing I'm not trying to him say... from villain into mentally uh mentally unwell into into tragic figure yeah I'm, I'm gonna argue tragic figure i think he he deserves to be viewed with the same benefit of the doubt that we give to boromir i think you're right i'm okay with that so okay there you go 
Although, I will say this. Uh, I do want to make an exception uh, okay. or, or just kind of throw a little fly in the ointment there. Okay. No good person eats tomatoes that way. <laughs> Only a monster would do that. Yes. To, to those cherry tomatoes. Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And make someone sit there and watch him. That's some creepy shit. That's that is. Yes. That's yes. And and he's making a little person do it. Let's be real. Um. So. Yeah. Okay. And again, you know, when you're when you, I think also anybody who's in charge at that level is automatically like keening evil. Um. It kind of does have a Prince Andrew kind of vibe. Uh, okay. To to do okay. that, it's like strange fetishism that somebody else will have to excuse. So. Okay. But other than that, I, see that. I agree with you. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. What do you got? Uh, let's see. I got heroes. I got villains. What you want? Um. Let's let's do a hero now. Okay. Let's, let's go to heroes. All right. Well, here's the the. Maybe the second or third biggest hero who isn't. Uh, we're going to talk about Professor X from Marvel Comics. Okay, bring it. Yeah. Um, he's a cult leader of child soldiers. He <laughs> done. I knew. No, uh... <laughs> I knew. I, I mean, really, what else do you have to say? Yeah, he's, really. He's I, like... And a jaywalker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Arson, murder, and jaywalking. Right. Yes, that is that is the trope, as yeah. a matter of fact. Yes. So... So no, he's a cult leader of child soldiers. He active use actively uses mind control. Um, he fantasizes <clears throat> about Jean Grey early on. Um, he curses his own disability. Uh, and I okay, know, a bunch more. So <clears throat> the the cursing his own disability mm -hmm. is only because it interferes with his ability to fuck his students. Oh yeah, never mind. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, carry on. That's, that's a bit of the problem. Um, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so straight up, he erased <clears throat> Gabriel Summers from Scott's mind. Okay. Um, so Scott had a brother. No, yeah. he doesn't. No. Nope. Um, he he sent Kid Vulcan on a failed mission and knew that mutant stuff ran in the family. Um, so he made sure to keep Gabriel Gabriel out of Scott Summers' mind so that he could better manipulate Scott. Uh, so just you know, some short stuff there. Uh, Magneto rips all the metal out of Wolverine's skeleton, which let's be real, took way too long for him to figure out how to do. Uh, <laughs> no lie. Um, no but lie. then right after that, Professor X straight up comas Magneto. Now, I'm not saying that due process is necessary or anything like that, but I am saying let's look into intentionality. Um, you didn't do it like immediately after. You waited and you found him. And he doesn't do it for altruistic reasons. He doesn't do it because the world would be safer without Magneto. If he'd done that, I would have been cool with it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, okay. You ripped all the metal from a dude's skeleton, knowing that he'd feel the pain and knowing that he'd heal from it. Like mm. you tortured someone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think there need to be consequences for that. And I'm yeah. even fine with frontier justice. Yeah. Or what counts for it in, in mutant world. Yeah. But he comas him because he's angry. Like he violently assaults Magneto's mind and renders him catatonic because Charles was angry. Charles, the one who says that we can all live and let live. Mm -hmm. And it was just because he's angry. And I get it. Magneto is a problematic dude. But you don't do that like because you're angry you mm -hmm. you you well, do that you're... because 
it saves the world. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Motives, motives matter. Yes. We, we get around to motives matter. I, I think there's a, there's also something to be said for professor X being as powerful as he is. Yeah. It's almost like, and the level, yeah, yeah, precisely the, the yeah. level of ethical, uh, uh scrutiny with his power. <laughs> yeah. 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 When, when you're dealing with, you know, fucking with other people's minds. Yes. Um, the, the level of ethical scrutiny necessary yep. is just that much more, uh, just that much more intense. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, you look at, you look at Wolverine, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if we, if we, uh, just look at, okay, so he's, he's always armed, right? No matter what, mm -hmm. uh, he's always armed, uh, and he is nigh unkillable. Yeah, consequences okay. don't hit him the same. Yeah, well, one, consequences don't hit him the same way. Number two, like, there is a scope of damage that he can inflict if he decides to do the wrong thing. Yep. Any 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 wrong he chooses to do is going to be intensely personal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like, yeah. No, 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 no. Um, there, there, was a, there was a remark I made uh, to uh, my friend Sean when, when we were kind of at the same time playing through uh power of the force the the mm -hmm. you the the not yet canon uh your darth vader's apprentice uh video oh, game. force unleashed force unleashed thank you yes when we were playing through force unleashed and just you know marching through levels just cutting everybody the fuck down with a lightsaber Right. Picking people up, flinging people everywhere. Oh yeah, it's and fun. and the and the remark I made was, you know, in this game, you really understand how uh, the Empire committed genocide on a very personal one person at a time level, <laughs> and that's yeah. and that's kind of and that's kind of the thing. Like if if Logan mm -hmm. decides he's going to murdelate a bunch of people, oh yeah, he will. You're going to have a very hard time stopping him, but yeah. he's also going to have to. It's going to take some time for him to do it. Yeah, he's gonna need a few power bars, <clears throat> some energy yeah, drinks. Yeah, yeah, and and like, and you can and you can find a way to mitigate that, stop him, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, you can pour, figure out a way. Pour to... concrete over him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whereas if Professor X decides, you know what, I don't want people to remember that uh, photo that went out uh, over the right. internet last night, yeah. and literally, the whole world doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has now forgot. Like, there's there's a a, a very different level of level of scale there yeah yeah now so, i'm not going to yeah. hold him guilty for creating onslaught the super evil bad guy who kills hell mutants <clears throat> uh in uh in the process of uh coma ing magneto but i will yeah. hold him responsible for it okay um, and i think that's different now he also just has a history of straight up emotionally manipulating teenagers early on um he pretends to die uh, when in fact it was actually another mutant who died, which that means that you you see somebody die and you're like, gonna save that, gonna save that, you know, yeah. um, or gonna manipulate that, gonna yeah. use that, you know. Uh, and then he doesn't intercede for like two years uh, to let him know he's okay, except for Jean Grey, and then it's just a secret between you and me, Jean. Um, also, like there's something fucked up about that there's there's then he also early on uh pretends to lose his powers while they're being attacked by magneto's band of bad guys in order to test them 
uh, to test the X Men while people are trying to kill them. I'm like that's that's not cool. And then I I pulled um, <laughs> I pulled this panel, uh, and unfortunately I can't send it to you. Uh, so I'll just have to read to you. Okay, so the the box text says, but upon reaching the chamber, the X Men suddenly stop in their tracks respectfully as they see, and it's a scene of Professor X, um, and he's got his hand on Jean Grey's humerus, like on the upper part of her arm, right? And she's okay. sleeveless in this. He says, be careful, my dear. I cannot tell what powers this mutant may possess. He may be a danger to you. And she says, don't worry, sir. Remember how well you've trained us. Okay, cool. Um, Clearly the sexism of the sec- 60s and stuff like that, but so far so good. And then he turns his back to them and starts smoking his pipe. Um, And Jean holds on to scott's arm and i'm pretty sure that that is uh bobby drake next to scott uh and uh, professor x says um don't worry he, he thinks this. this is in his thought bubble don't worry as though i could help worrying about the one i love but i can never tell her i have no right not while i'm leader of the x-men and confined to this wheelchair so hmm. i'm her principal her teacher and my dick doesn't work the way I want it to. That's why I can't tell this underage child that I want to just, bone. just out of curiosity. Cause sure. like, because of everything you've just said, it, mm. it isn't actually material, but like how old canonically was Jean at this? She, point? Let's see. They're at the school for mutants. They graduate from the school mm-hmm. within the first few. So she's 17, 18. So at best, it's creepy. I don't know what the age of consent was in New York at that time, but mm-hmm. I'm still going to say at best, it's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's yeah. no, there's no getting over it yeah. being. And that shit manifests as hell. Yeah. And yeah. that shit manifests in lo- in onslaught later because of course it does because he's a creepy old fuck. Um, <laughs> so and he sent Hulk into space, and yeah. then he let his and and he sent and he abstained. He he didn't even like have the courage to vote no in the Illuminati. He abstained. So he's like, oh my, you know, my hands are clean. No, they aren't. Um, and he let his students fight an enraged Hulk to the point where his stepbrother. Kane, mm. uh, Kane Marco had to get re-addicted to the orb of Ciderac. So right. he had stopped yeah. being Juggernaut, and the only way to become Juggernaut was the orb was like, I keep you this time. Um, he was actually in recovery from being the Juggernaut, and he went back to to try to save uh, Professor X. Beast also gets his ass beat, um, which uh, will make uh, our friend of the show, Professor Cruz, very happy. Um, and Colossus, <laughs> Colossus ends up crippled by the Hulk, like actually crippled because the Hulk was like, you know, you have unbreakable skin, but metal bends and he just bends Colossus into a new shape. All to prevent Professor X. I'm I'm going to have to look up Hulk. Mm-hmm. In oh, this it's, category. It's because. Uh, holy shit world war hulk it's oh, okay uh, yeah yeah <clears throat> and since you're a wolverine fan i'll i have left this for last yeah um 
Professor X knew that Wolverine had come to kill him. He then invaded his mind and made him forget about the assassination mandate, which I'm kind of okay with that, right? That's self-defense. Kind of self yeah, self-defense. But then he sandblasted his brain and made him think, I should join the X-Men. And that's a problem. Um, but his justification makes it worse. His justification were was he needed a weapon. Magneto was an asshole, but he had people's consent. They knew they were signing up to join the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Now, it might not have been informed and dignified. I will give you that when it comes to his kids. But he also stuck to fucking adults. Yes. And, and I mean... I'm not saying Magneto's not a villain. No, no, no. I'm I, just I saying know. he's I, less yeah. a villain than Charles. <laughs> you know, I, I think it would be interesting to see how how magneto would have handled things if he'd had a similar power set to xavier because the thing is magneto is really good at making his case like he can he can stand in front of you and be mm-hmm. like okay no look here's why that let me explain squashed yeah yeah let, let yeah. me explain Here's 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 why it is that you need to you need to leave the organization that's, you know, trying to rehabilitate the image of mutants in in the public eye with with humans, and join me where we're going to build a world in which you know uh, homo, homo sapiens in inferiorensis is subjugated as they rightly should be. Let me explain all of that to you. Right, right. Like, and and um, he is he is a remarkable uh, rhetorician. He is, you know, and, and he's very, very good at making his case. Yes. The thing is, would he be that good at making his case if he had the easy button (laughs) that Xavier has of, oh yeah. And by the way, I love the image sandblasting his brain. (laughs) No, I don't. Let's, let's all of that. Wipe, 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 wipe. No, I'm just going to scrub all that out. I I would say that Magneto has an incredibly easy power in terms of his ability to get what he wants by force and he still oh, chose yeah. re- he still chose rhetoric that's true because he's that's honestly true. coming from a moral perspective whereas charles i think ultimately here's here's the the weird thing magneto is an idealist charles is a pragmatist who pretends at idealism that's really deep yeah and, and by the way and, magneto's and very fair Magneto's a zealot, and you know what I think of zealots. Yes. But he is an idealist. He he very rarely strays from that at all. Charles 100% wraps himself up in that, and then 100% yeah. is like, by the way, I've been running a child soldier ring. Yeah. <laughs> Just that. And I really want to fuck one of them, but I'm but, stuck yeah. in a chair. You know, you know what's really weird about this? Mm. I've come to a to a conclusion that until we had this conversation, I would not have believed. Xavier mm-hmm. is a Slytherin. Oh, I think we one hundred and ten percent. We we may yeah. have had this discussion. I think we. I, I think yeah. And and I, I, and, I, and I don't know. I don't know if yeah. he said this part, but Magneto is actually a, like a dark Gryffindor. Oh no, I still think he's a Slytherin as well. Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll go back through my notes, or I can okay. invite people to All listen right. to the episode again. Um, but, but it's it's, yeah. it's the 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 idealism part though is what has me wondering oh, about sure. it. But, yeah, you know. So, yeah, yeah. No, 
wow. So there you go. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll bite. There, there are no heroes. Well, okay, there are <laughs> heroes in the X Men universe, but we don't like them because Scott's fucking boring. Um, not, Scott's not boring. Scott is is the product of uh, like the child soldier who grew more powerful than his general. Like he is, he becomes okay. more of a zealot and a prick than anyone. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 Wolverine doesn't have much growth. And as a result, he just like the Overton w- window shifts over him. Yeah. Um. But there's still heroes. Uh, there's still Nightcrawler. Yeah. And Iceman. Okay. And yeah. that might be it. Like I can't think of many other mutants who. Okay. You know, don't succumb to the the corruption of power. Well, and also the corruption of oppression. Like mm, okay. now, yeah, I've bought into true. the system that that. Begs okay. the question that oppression must exist. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's kind of like what um, uh, T'Challa's best friend from the Border Tribe said. Um, uh, I would, you know, in this world, there's two kinds of people: the stomped and, and you know, and, and yeah, the ones who are who are doing stomping. And I know which one I'd rather be. It's like, would you, hmm. <laughs> it's hella reductive that's, there, buddy. That's a that's yeah. a bleak worldview there, man. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so right. what you got? Or heroes who aren't. Yeah. Um I'm I'm going to start with Qui-Gon Jinn. Okay. Uh now, also not of Warhammer 40K. The yeah. tension is really mounting. Uh yeah. So um so we've we've talked a number of times about mm-hmm. the the flaws with the Jedi order. Yes. And uh you know how how the Jedi may may not have deserved it but they had it coming. Yes. And um you know Qui-Gon Jinn is presented to us in the Phantom Menace as uh, being this ascetic mentor figure. He's the old wizard. Uh, he urges Obi-Wan uh, at the very, at the beginning of the film, he's, he's, you know, the sage giving advice to Obi-Wan, you know, yes, Master Yoda is correct to, you know, uh, keep your, keep your mind, uh, you know, keep, keep the future in mind, but do not lose sight of the living force. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so, and he winds up rescuing Anakin from a situation of exploitation by Watto, right? And and he's he's presented to us in this light of, mm-hmm. you know, being being this you know sagely warrior wizard Gandalf in space kind of kind of figure, bit of a maverick too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He bucks he bucks the bucks the orders. Straight up gets told by Obi Wan, "You would already be on the council if you didn't keep doing your own thing." He's like, "I will do what I think is right." Yeah, right. You know, okay. I'm fine with that. The dogmatic teachings of the Jedi, but yeah, okay. But here's the deal: Um, Mm. he's actually an amoral religious nut driven by his apocalyptic prophecy beliefs. Wow, that all tracks. (laughs) So he he is no shit. The poster boy for everything wrong with the Jedi Order. Okay. I'm going to quibble. Not okay. everything. Well, the, because he's the... not an institutionalist. Okay. All right. But everything Granted. else. Yes. I, I, yeah. I am. I'm pleased to say, I think I've already penciled it out in my head. As soon as you said it going, yeah. check, 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 check. Yeah. But he's not an institutionalist. No. So, so, okay. All right. But everything else. As you said. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, he rescues Anakin, mm-hmm. but not his mother. Famously right. saying, "We're not here to we're not here to free slaves." <laughs> Which I'm, like, what the fuck I'm, you I'm doing sorry, here? Then? Is there no moral imperative with the light side of the force? Like what the right. fuck, bro? One, 
Uh, he defies the council to take Anakin on, which, okay, you know, I'm, I'm okay with not, that. Yeah. Okay. But then, uh, in the process of doing that, he basically throws Obi Wan completely aside. Yeah, and he like straight he up just, he's like, like, "Well, you're ready. Fuck. You're, yeah, it's whatever. Like, yeah, you're you didn't ready. think that going in, bro. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, I'm ready sudden, because it's convenient to you. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and Obi Wan is so codependent with him that he's like, "No, yeah, no, I'm ready. I can take the test." Well, like, and he even tells the council, he's like, "He's he's going to be a much greater Jedi than I." Like he lays it on thick, thick, super yeah. thick. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, I'm sorry, but if he's gonna go, I, I'm gonna interrupt you here. Yeah, yeah. If he's gonna, because this is in my bailiwick, all the shit that yeah, Qui Gon yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's gonna go rogue and be like, I'm gonna take on the boy and train him myself, why not go the extra step and say, I'm gonna have his mom come live with us? You're already bucking the tide. Yeah. You're yep. already wet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Why not? Yeah. Why not take the extra step? Yeah. However, and have sex however, with in for a penny, in for a pounding. Okay, well there yeah. you go. Yeah. Is it hot in here? So Anakin, so Anakin, I'm your dad now. <laughs> um, particular set of skills, <laughs> skills I've acquired over a over long, time. long time. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, he 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 brings and and the thing is it's not that he looks at Anakin and sees Anakin as this kid with potential who is also a child who is being victimized by yeah by a by a by a uh, uh exploitative situation right he sees him and goes oh well this this kid this kid is the fulfillment of the prophecy this right. this he's this the chosen is, one he's the chosen one right so like there's no recognition even of anakin's personhood right that's you're that. apt i'm 100 with you on that like he okay. sees him as no, I have to protect the chosen one. Not yeah. Anakin is a boy who really likes building droids and racing fast. And I'd also like to give him a chance to learn how to read books. No, yeah. no, there's no yeah. rescue there. There's no. a, oh, there you is... fit the slot that I've got yeah. for you. Speaking yep. of child soldiers. Yep. You know, um, and then, and then in the midst of all of that, he's so detached. Like I, 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 in the prior episode, I, I went off on how, Lucas got Buddhism wrong, right? You know, and and you know the 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 uh, fetishization of emotional detachment is like this huge problem. And and Qui Gon is so fucking detached; he never shows any fucking emotion except shock when he takes a lightsaber to the gut. Mm-hmm. Like even when he's passionately arguing for no, no, you got to let me train this kid. He's he's approaching it with with all the um, it's the arrogance. I know I'm right. So yeah. 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 Um, and then, and then the kicker to me, mm-hmm. um, as he's dying, he, <laughs> he, he tells Obi-Wan, you, you've got to, you've got to take him. You've got to train him yeah. and, and leaves this massive guilt trip on fundamentally a kid. I'll, I'll go train another kid. I'll go one step further though. He doesn't even say you've got to, you know, you promise me that you'll train him. But then he gives his reasons is I was still right. That's really because yeah. he says he is the chosen one. He influence, he emphasizes is as yeah. in all y'all motherfuckers think he's not. I know he is with my dying breath. I'm going to tell you I was right. Yeah. Which to be fair, I admire that. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I'm yeah, not saying king, I'm healthy in doing so. King of petty, yes. right there. Yes. Yeah, but like, so so essentially, he he is the one responsible. Like Palpatine, Palpatine hardly had to lift a goddamn finger to turn Anakin Skywalker into Vader because Qui Gon yeah. Jinn had put all of the pieces in place. Definitely primed for him. Anakin for Anakin to wind up being put in this position where nobody on the council wanted to have anything to do with him because because of the, the circumstances of him having entered the order uh, obi obi-wan kenobi being the guy who who brings him up and trains him because obi-wan is saddled with guilt by his mm-hmm. by his mentor figure that he has to be the one to do it when he wasn't prepared yeah he had not he had not yet passed the tests to become a knight yet at the end of the film yeah like You're absolutely right they they gave him a field promotion because oh yeah well that was a Sith so we're pretty sure you passed you killed the only one yeah like <laughs> yeah you know but um so and, <laughs> we're promoting so, you because you murdered yeah well you know <laughs> like martial order what are you gonna do yeah like you know uh but but like are you a martial order or an ascetic one like what who right. are you what is your identity. Uh, I'm going all Vorlon. Who are you? Uh, I'm like, and I mean that to the entire Jedi Order. What? Mm-hmm. What? But anyway, I'm getting off the subject. So, so yeah, that's that's Qui Gon Jinn is is a villain. Yeah, he is no shit a bad guy. Yeah, I fully agree. Fully, fully agree. So there you go. No notes. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. I will give you. You know, I I will give dead you air. a, a what's, what's that? Dead air. Dead air. <laughs> yeah. Give me. All right. I could have edited it until you said. Yeah. That. Well. well. <laughs> I will give you a, a bad guy who should be a good guy. Okay. Uh. So, um, the architect from the Matrix. You okay. Him? Yeah, I do. White suit, old guy. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Look, uh, uh, Colonel Sanders looking motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Like if yeah. Colonel Sanders and George Carlin had an argument as to what their love child would look like. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So that's the... a great description. <laughs> so the architect was created by the machines to approximate humanity, so as to better tend to their human crops, because right. It was in their best interest that humans stay alive and not not alive themselves. So this is a post-conquest program, okay? Right. He wasn't there for their defeat, their slaughter, and their subjugation. He was just there to make sure that humans continued to serve as batteries. So literally keep the lights on. That's his job. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He's not clean in this, but neither is he the cause of humanity's suffering. Uh, in fact, he built the first Matrix as a utopia, uh, one wherein the suffering didn't exist. And we could certainly have a discussion as to whether or not a utopian prison is better than a dystopian freedom, uh, at least intent, um, if humans literally cannot tell the difference. Okay, if they cannot tell the difference, okay. functionally, yeah. we could have that discussion. But that said, humans did, in fact, reject the utopia because we're fucking dumb. Um, and he then built a second matrix wherein basic cause and effect were introduced as well as various monsters for us to deal with. And of course that also failed the third effort 
was designed to conceptualize anthropological nature and psychology to inaugurate the framework of the consecutive matrix. And in this version, choice, free will within those parameters, was implemented into the simulation where humans would be imbued with more autonomy of choice, even if the person was only aware of their choice superficially. I love this kind of stuff because it's very Cartesian. It's very, you know, Intensely. the mind of the mind. Yeah. yeah. Now, the this iteration of the Matrix succeeded, except that choice itself would continuously culminate in an inevitable probability of an anomaly, which, if left unchecked, would uh, ultimately decimate the system, facilitating humanity's extinction and the machines uh, destitute of their own only feasible energy source would also go extinct. Uh, a bug in the system that they couldn't do away with because of the feature that was attached. So the Matrix became a longevity program, one that would eventually run out, need restructuring and rebooting, and then on and on. Uh, the choice programming that stabilized the first iteration of the Matrix was a multi uh, mutualistic uh, with its destabilization. Okay, so it will eventually topple. It, it will eventually wobble out of place. So how do we work on this? So both the machines and the humans would be affected by it. And this this was a known quantity that was coming based on the fact that this thing would create an anomaly, etc. And around the century mark, a reload of the matrix would be necessitated to negate the impending probability of decimation. So the okay. architect was trying to get ahead of it. Additionally, the architect recognized a growing threat in Zion. So it was imperative for the architect to ethnically cleanse the, them down to an acceptable number every five generations or so. All of that, very, very bad. Um, yeah. Well, that part, very, very bad. Ethnic cleansing is never a good thing, mm -hmm. even if it's the Jedi. Um, <laughs> even if it's better for the universe, yeah. it's still not okay. <clears throat> but the question is, why is this guy not a villain, given everything that I've just said? And it's simple. He knew what needed to happen, and he weighed the greater good against the lesser, and he acted accordingly. And ultimately, he knew that the required uh, that that required trust of the one, and had to allow the one to make a choice. So even though the architect was reasonably certain that the one would make the right choice every time for the greater good, the possibility of the one making a selfish choice, bringing about a destruction of the whole thing, did in fact exist, and he trusted him, and yet the architect still made this choice. Some would argue that such was inevitably the choice that he would have to make. He had no real choice but to trust the one, given the math of it all. But I think that he exhibited a bit of optimism, which is oddly warm, given his cold countenance and calculations. Okay. So the Oracle informed the one, that is Neo. Uh, Neo is an anagram for the one. Neo also mm -hmm. is, Latin, or is Greek for new. Mm -hmm. um, but he informed the one that the architect's objective is to balance the equations of the matrix and that conversely, her purpose was to unbalance the same equations. The architect knew she'd exist and she would mm -hmm. seek to unbalance things. And yet he still continued allowing that chaos to fester within the order that he had created. And according to the Oracle, the architect can't think past the equations of things as a constituent of purpose, which impedes the variability in his thought. Now, because Agent Smith is a greater threat to the machines than even Neo, the architect allows Neo access to the Matrix from the center of the machine city. And afterwards, the machines halt their attack on Zion, despite the potential risk that Zion poses. Mm -hmm. And here's where I think that the architect is actually the hero. Okay. 
He and the machines also obliged to the truce that Neo bartered with them, withdrawing the attack of Scion to inaugurate peace between the two uh, worlds. Regardless of what would benefit them the most, the machines and the architect agreed to these terms. And the architect meets with the Oracle and speaks of the, quote, dangerous game that she had engaged in and acknowledges that the truce will be adhered to, although he doubts the sustainability of such. The Oracle asks him what will happen to the ones who want out of the Matrix, to which the architect replies that they will be freed. The Oracle asks if she has his word, to which he replies, quote, who do you think I am, human? And I think mm -hmm. that's it right there. I think his lack of humanity guarantees that he will keep his word and do good. Regardless of the totalitarian nature of things, he's going to hold to his agreement because he said he would. And then you get into the the final Matrix movie, the, the fourth mm -hmm. one, Bearded Matrix, Jesus Neo. Um, <laughs> and 60 years later, the analyst tells Neo that the architect's version of the Matrix was, quote, all fussy facts and equations, end quote, because he loved precision and hated the human mind. But that disdain for the humanity meant that he held himself to a morality that was above humanity's penchant for betrayal and villainy. And as a result, the architect never realized that humans don't care about facts, but rather about fiction. And the only world that matters is the one inside of their own mind. And that is what the analyst sought to manipulate and use as the basis for his own dishonesty. And that's precisely what he did in that final Matrix movie. But the architect okay. was a fucking hero. Okay. I I might I might go as far as to say anti-hero because there's a lot of baggage at the front of that. Yeah. But I I I see what you say. I I think I think we can take him out of the category of villain. Yeah. Well, that. and again, the the one the the six other ones that existed prior to Neo or the five other, I forget if yeah. it was six or five. Uh, yeah. Um all of them chose to wipe out humanity down to a certain number. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, he's like, look, here's the math. What do you want to do? And, you know, we're going to go through this again. And I'm going to ask another one what he wants to do and on and on. But he literally went with whatever they chose. He let mm -hmm. humanity decide its own fate. Now, it's the expression of their own fate through one person. Yeah. Each, each time. But he did in fact let them choose he he laid it at their feet he said your your survival is in your hands and pinned his survival he's you know he told them we don't survive without you yeah so either we can reset all this stuff and start from scratch and we all keep going or you can destroy us all and he was willing to play by those rules he was certainly lawful yeah. but i don't think he was lawful evil illegal lawful evil mm -hmm. and i don't think he was lawful neutral i think he was lawful good just kind of a dick about it and a utilitarian and i don't yeah i don't cotton to utilitarian yeah I, I think i think i think the utilitarian angle is a is an important part of that equation and mm -hmm. i don't i don't cotton to utilitarianism either right but so on balance overall i do you know i do think that yeah he, his his trust of humanity and his disdain for them enabled him to do good so okay yeah all right what you got all right. Well, um, do you, do you want to go with uh, a villain who doesn't deserve to be called one, or do you want to go with a hero who's not heroic? Let's go with a hero who's not heroic. 
Okay. So I, I started off this episode with uh, Raceland from mm-hmm. the uh, Dragonlance Chronicles. I am now going to go to Tannis Half Elven. Oh, okay. So I'm not going to go anywhere near saying that Tannis deserves to be called a villain, but I also don't think he's as heroic as the authors tried to make him out to be. Okay. So Tannis Half Elven is uh, supposed to be a figure of angst. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a half elf specifically in Dragonlance, um, that that means that he is on the receiving end of bigotry from both sides of his heritage, um, because of events um, after the Cataclysm. There's deep, deep distrust between humans and elves, and Tannis uh, was born out of uh, a a sexual assault by a human bandit. Yes. So, like. All of the angst, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he does not fit into either the world of elves or the world of humans. He was mostly raised by the elves, but they always treated him as, you know, second class person. And so he left and spent a bunch of time wandering amongst humans and grew a beard in order to fit in better amongst humans. Um, so his his internal conflict between the two halves of his heritage is mirrored in his uh, being torn between the elven princess Lorana and the human warlord Kitiara, who just happens to be Caraman and Raceland's uh, stepsister. Okay. Okay. Uh, and he is Tannis, that is, is the leader of the Heroes of the Lance. Mm-hmm. And so because he's the second oldest <laughs> member of the group uh, after Flint Fireforge, uh, he, he, everybody, all the, all the humans in the group, uh, look to him as kind of the, the, you know, more experienced elder figure, you know, he, he makes the decisions when they're doing things. Um, and so he's, he's kind of the driving force between a lot of the decisions they wind up making. He is. Yeah. Now here's the thing on, on a lot of levels, that's great. But then on on another level, uh, he's actually a wishy-washy emo dumpster fire. <laughs> okay. Um, and like I'm not going to get into issues of uh, self-pity over his his background because mm-hmm. i'm I'm talking about this as a <laughs> cishet white guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, I, I can't speak to anything like I'm not, I'm not going to criticize anybody for for having feelings about a a racial heritage because sure. that's not sure. cool. What I am going to say though is um, we know in the in the original trilogy we know that he and Kitiara were a couple, and at the beginning of the first book of the trilogy, all of the companions who mm-hmm. later become known as the war the heroes of the lance. They all get back together because they've they've spread out and we're all we're all going to go look for signs of the existence of the gods. And we're all going to come back and they all come back. But Kitiara does not come back. She's the one member of the original band who doesn't show back up. And Tannis is deeply disappointed because, you know, they'd had a thing going on. Sure. And over the course of their wanderings, he winds up getting separated from the rest of the group, runs into Kitiara, 
And we figure out very quickly that Kitiara didn't show up because, oh yeah, she'd found signs of the gods. She'd become one of the warlords of the Dark Queen. She was the commander of the Blue Dragon Army. Okay. And when he runs into her, he I don't remember clearly whether he knew right off the bat that she was the warlord of the Blue Dragon Army, but he knew right away that she was in fact part of mm-hmm. an officer in the Blue Dragon Army. And he immediately falls right back in with her. Because because he can't let go of his ex. Mm. And and there was a lot of uh, romance being built up earlier in the series between him and Lorana, who had been, you know, she had a crush on him since childhood and they'd kind of had a thing before he left, you know, his elven homeland and whatever. And then like he runs into Kitiara and like, you know, he's, he jumps right back into bed with her because, because he's still, he's still pining. And so he's he, using and people. He's, he's broken on some he's level. Broken he's broken and he's, he's getting, he's getting used. The thing okay. is it's, it's not so much that he's just a selfish jerk. Who's, you know, uh, eager to get, to get his parts wet. It's that he, he cannot, he can't say no to her. Like it's, it's, oh. it's, he has, he has this, this, whatever, whatever brokenness in him, like she knows how to get her hooks into him and he can't, find the wherewithal mm-hmm. to to say nope nope sorry no good to see you i gotta go like you know he can't do it um he 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 winds up getting his head on straight at the 11th hour sure uh as takis is, is about to physically enter the world and subjugate everyone in the world under her multi-headed draconic rule um he he figures it out uh, he still winds up getting to marry Lorana, still gets to have his happy ending, uh, you know, saves the world. Right. But like up to that point, like in the, in the second, I want to say it was in the second book, second or third. I mean, anyway, I don't remember where it was, but like there's this significant portion of the story where he becomes a cautionary tale about hooking up with an ex. And it just, it it to this day i understand i read this book before i had a dating history sure sure and it bugged the shit out of me then and now as a 47 year old man mm-hmm. with a dating history and with my own issues about you know exes back in my past mm-hmm. <sighs> it still sticks in my craw it still bugs me that like his his friends were literally on the run from her army. Mm-hmm. He knew who she was, <laughs> and and like couldn't couldn't figure it out. So yeah, I I this this is largely just a pet peeve of mine. I, I admit, but I I really I really think he deserved to face more uh, at least at least personal consequences because like you know. Sure. Yeah, he's you know he, he still he still pulled it out and the world got saved and all that like right, okay right. cool but like now it really bugs me that like he got to run back to Lauren and go I was so wrong I should never have left I'm so sorry you know and like just got forgiven like okay. no man no <laughs> I mean I I I don't know 
he's he's definitely a flawed hero. I don't mm. think that this it's one of those these personal issues are not the same kinds of personal issues as Professor X has. Oh, no, well. And I'm not going to say X, that it's not just the personal that's issues. That's not the bar. It turns into, yeah, no. But at the same yeah. time, his personal yeah. issues are tragic and sad boy. They're not yeah. evil or okay, beastly. Okay. <laughs> like, so. <laughs> I feel like there's a conversation I missed out on. Oh, regarding no, I didn't beast actually that, mean like, beastly. Okay. That. But yes, I but you, you like, did. Um, okay. In the in the episodes about Speedball that I think okay. just finished releasing actually so now okay. that they're a trio well, you should have to go them while you're take doing a look your at them. yeah um, but uh, <laughs> we we talk about Beast and how if you ever want to set your moral compass go the opposite of wherever Beast goes because he just can't help himself he is he's an academic he's he's a really nice guy but he's always on the side of wrong always <laughs> on the side of hating Him, his it, own kind. Him, him and Reed Richards. Yeah, but uh and, and for similar ish reasons. Um, but Beast has a whole lot more um self loathing involved there. Oh, okay. So right. yeah. Like Beast didn't make my list because he's sad, he's not a villain. Reed okay, made fair. my list because he's a he's, fucking villain. He's a goddamn villain. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. But fair. honestly, that's gonna have to wait till the next installment of this because we're just about at time. And oh wow, I, I've okay. still got half a dozen guys to go oh wow and gals in fairness okay um, but there are there are fewer villains who should have been heroes now and there are much okay. more heroes that that are really billions villains okay so yeah but uh yeah i'm gonna need to to cut us off there uh, all right it's, uh, the the warehouse that i'm recording and is turning out its lights all right um, well there we yeah. go so uh well cool um Anything anything you've gleaned? I've noticed a, a pattern here. You have gone through Dragonlance this time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> last time yeah. you went through Warhammer. Yeah. Um, and so and um proving and... again your literacy is far broader than mine. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, well. I'm like, here's five comic book characters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but they're yeah. they're important seminal comic book characters. This like, is true. This is true. You know, and, and the thing is I had known and, and this is my takeaway from mm. this episode is i had known mm -hmm. uh that like professor x was going to wind up on the list mm -hmm. i i had i had just i had known um <laughs> because i know enough about the x-men to know that yeah that's pretty sketchy yeah but the the bits about him early on in the in the series having yearned for i'm gonna i'm gonna be yeah delicate about it <laughs> uh <laughs> i am him him having you know had the hots for for his you know underage student i nope. i had not known and it, it kind of like when we when we talked about uh the wizard of oz it was like you know i'd heard all of the stories of like mm -hmm. you know the aluminum dust and the and the the scarecrow the latex and the scarecrow costume and the you know and and you know uh just all the horrible working conditions for like everybody Right. I had heard about all of that, but I'd heard all of those stories like one at a time separately. I'd never been confronted with all of them all at once. Yeah. When and taken now as it's like an aggregate. You're like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Like, you know, yeah. like, like before it, it was easy for me to say, well, you know, I mean, yeah, Professor X has done some sketchy shit, but it's Marvel. Every, nobody is like, you know, a total boy scout except right. Steve Rogers. 
you know, <clears throat> or or maybe T'Challa. Like, you know, no nobody nobody is like a pillar of moral righteousness. <laughs> and then you do all of that. I'm like, oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> Professor X. Professor X is is not a pillar of anything. Like, oh it, holy yeah. crap. Yeah. Boy, it goes you know, far these... deeper. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Rock bottom has a lot of gifts. <laughs> shit. These are facts. Yeah. So yeah, um, that that really struck me, um, as a as a takeaway. How about you? Uh, well, um, I'd forgotten Dragonlance, and and I've, mm. I'm not um, what do you call it? I'm not uh as well. I haven't finished reading it. Mm. Um, so uh, we we started reading it, my daughter and I, uh, mm. about two years ago, and then we just kind of put it down and haven't okay. really picked it up. How far up. did you get? Not even through the first book. Oh, like, like they just oh. got across the water. <laughs> like so. Well, I'm sorry, I spoiled. Oh no, it's fine. You spoiled a book that's like 20 plus years old. Like yeah, like, okay, that's yeah, on me. But, all right. Um. Okay. So and remember, I like knowing the end because yeah, I still love seeing how they get there. Yeah. You know. Um, but, uh, I, what do you call it? Um, I, I didn't think of the group as whether they were good or evil, which seems silly. Mm -hmm. Um, but I very much, uh, you know, now that I've, now that I've thought it out now that you've, you've hit me with it, um, it, it makes perfect sense that that would exist in that world. It's a D and D based world, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was interesting that I didn't, I, I either, I'm not far enough into it yet, or, um, I just was kind of, you know, looking at it doe eyed as Mm -hmm. like, well, this is, you know, this is just a group of people getting Mm -hmm. along in the world, you know? Um, so yeah, I was, I was surprised to find that good and evil existed in that world for some reason. Mm. So that's, that's largely my takeaway. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what you reading? Um, I am bouncing between uh, Two Gun Witch by a friend of the show, Bishop O'Connell, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend, and uh, still working on the memoirs of Ulysses S. Grant. Okay. So I very highly recommend both mm-hmm. for different reasons. <laughs> um, they're, they're both uh, compelling reading, um, but in very different ways. So. Okay. That is that is what I am reading, and that is my recommendation. How about you? I'm going to recommend um, M. J. Trow, T. R. O. W. Uh, their book, Vlad the Impaler, in Search of the Real Dracula, because um, mm. it's really it, yeah. Now it's it's very. I'm not going to say it's really good history. I am going to say it's <laughs> compelling writing. Okay. Um, and and be, simply because it it certainly takes on the vibe of. The West, by default, is the template uh, for understanding all of history. Okay. And I take great issue with that, of course, because okay. it casts well, everybody yeah. in the in the it reaction others, to that. Yeah. It others everybody. Exactly. Literally everybody. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, but it does make a compelling argument that uh, Vlad the Impaler was the best thing that Europe had to keep them safe from Islam. The conclusion after that is whether or not that's something needs to be kept safe from, et cetera, et cetera. There were certainly warring empires at the time. 
Um, but I do love the idea that Christianity felt like a guy who stuck people on poles in different ways was better for them than somebody else who called God a different word. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that so is, that is definitely a thing. I, there's, there's yeah. more to it than that. Well, obviously. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's, but it's, yeah. it's them telling on themselves in many ways. Oh yeah. Uh, in, in a huge way. Book. Yeah. So I, I encourage you to read it because it's good. It's, it's good prose. I would not say it's great history. Um, and not because the subject matter isn't fascinating. That is, but I don't, I don't like their approach, but I okay. do like the writing. If that makes okay. It's kind of like that's, when I read Tudor O'Rourke. Like, okay. clever. yeah, very clever. He's clever and funny, but yeah. he also begs the question well. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So cool. Well, right. uh, social media wise, where can people find you? <clears throat> I can be found uh, on Twitter at E.H. Blaylock. I can be found on uh, Instagram. Not sorry, not Instagram. I can be found on TikTok as Mr. Underscore Blaylock. Uh, and we collectively can be found on Twitter at Geek History Time. And on the internet, we can be found at www.geekhistorytime.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are listening to us, so you have found us somewhere, whether that's on the Apple Podcast app or on Stitcher uh, or on our website. Uh, if you found us on either one of those two uh, podcast services, please subscribe. Please give us the five-star rating that you know we deserve um and yeah where can you be found sir oh you can find me let's see this will drop december 2nd you can find me at luna's in sacramento slinging puns with my crew capital punishment for the last one of this year uh so you can find me there um you can also find me online uh the the uh, i mostly use tiktok to 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 lurk there are some Mm. funny puns on there but i have not made anything new in quite some time so don't look for content there um but you could find me at duh harmony on twitter and instagram and that should be enough there we so, go cool well for geek history of time i'm damien harmony and i'm ed blaylock and until next time keep rolling 20s <laughs>